now, it's time for... No, I don't live in my parents' basement. A show that covers comics, movies, music, pop culture, and everything in between. Here's your host, B.J. Kennard and Adam Dellinger. Hey, welcome to the show. I am B.J. Kennard along with Adam Dellinger. Uh, we are going to be uh, maybe a little movie-heavy in some of this, but I want to get one thing out of the way first. You have have you started to read House of X, The Powers of X yet? No. Okay, you've got it. It's or it's in your box or your pull mm-hmm. list or whatever. It's over. Twelve issues. It was one a week for the twelve weeks between House of X, Powers of X, and I really, really enjoyed it. Here comes the but, but the ending I was left a little wanting. I felt like, and I don't want to spoil anything at all, so I'm not going to. But I felt like, why don't you want to spoil it? It's it's out. And if you haven't read it, because I don't want to ruin it for you, or yeah, maybe someone's just sitting there, they're waiting to read it. I don't. I think that's okay. See, okay. My, but here's the the point. It's like maybe you haven't read Killing Joke. Who cares? Right. Uh, well, I mean, that's you got some years on that one. I mean, this, th- this is twenty five or thirty years old. This so. just ended last week. Yeah, but you, you could download fine. this. It's sure. Fine. Go ahead. All right. So if you want to fast forward, that's fine. I really, really enjoyed the premise of the comic and how it it showed. Today, 10 years from now, and then a thousand years from now. I'm sorry, a hundred years from now, and then a thousand years from now. And that's kind of the, the, the different timelines of this storyline. And you had the X-Men of today and what Professor Xavier was doing with Krakoa and all that. Very, very cool. Creating a nation, creating a cure for almost everything that ails humans, cancer, Alzheimer's, all this stuff. It's going to provide longevity. But if you want it, you have to pay for it, and you got to recognize as a, as a sovereign nation, mutants will rule over mutants, etc. Very cool premise, all this stuff. Everyone's together now. Apocalypse is now a good guy. Okay. And, and all these things. The end, the big reveal, is that the mutants never win. Never, ever. A thousand years in the future, the mutants have still lost. It sounds like this is one of those comic runs where somebody's trying to make some kind of blanket statement about society maybe so and but i just for me it it ended where it began it really i mean i think it literally kind of ended where it began the cool thing about that they were created for this is that myra mctaggart is a mutant she has the ability to live her life when she dies she goes back to the very beginning of her life again it doesn't start over today. You know, she's not born somewhere today. Right. It goes right back to her birth. She has all the memories of that previous life. Every time she dies, she has the memories of both lives. So when she, even when she's a baby, she has the wherewithal to know all those things. So she has to dumb herself down or act dumb so there's nothing, you know. That's an old, it's an old plot move. I believe butterfly effect works that same way. Yeah. Like he's cognizant of everything that has happened prior, right? Yes. All right, go ahead. And so that made it kind of cool because she ends up living a thousand years with the help of Wolverine. And then in this final moment in the future, they reveal not even a big secret, just that, you know, that no one ever wins, blah, whatever. And then Wolverine kills her so she can go back in time to essentially reveal to Charles, BTW, we never really win, but let's make it the best that we can. And the ending was a little, 
I don't know, empty for me. And my thought was, well, maybe what I'm looking for is going to be in the comics that spring out of this. Excalibur's coming out of this, and a new X-Men comic's coming out of this, and a uh, like four other books are coming out of this. And so maybe in there will be what I'm looking for. So I love the series. I love everything it was doing. Just the ending was kind of like, oh, okay. Bad enough so that the ending ruins the rest of the comic for you? No, because it was really cool up to that point. And I think I mentioned on a previous podcast, there's a lot of filler in there. By that, like, white pages with, like, a graphic on it that doesn't really show anything except for, like, five words of a quote of something in that book. It doesn't move the story. Yeah, it's there literally to fill pages because you are having to do a 12-book run. This easily could have been a six-book run and would have been able to tell the same story, I believe. So I'm hoping that the, the comics that come out of this I'll feel better about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, dude. The X Men universe. What what is that collectively known as? Is that it? Yeah, yeah X Men universe. So the X Men universe, really down on its luck here recently. I feel like. Well, they, they've done so many different storylines. You know, they ran through and and they had some stuff going on with Professor X and Scott Summers and like mutants where uh, this Terrigen cloud was going all over, killing mutants. And then there was like Avengers versus. I'm sorry, X-Men versus Inhumans, and then Scott Summers was killed, and then Scott got brought back, and then there was an Uncanny X-Men run before this started, and none of that has anything to do with this. This is relaunching X-Men, essentially. And it's really cool the way they've done it. Uh, they, they've, they've shown that uh, if you die, they can bring you back because they're constantly downloading your memories. Cop out. And, uh, well, in one part, a, a bunch die, and then they are brought back, and you get to see how they do it. Cop out. Um, it, it could be to a certain degree. The thing that makes X-Men suffer right now is the fact that they have had no real success with their movies mm-hmm. in a great deal of time. I, I think the last X-Men Universe movie that was really, really good would have been some of the Wolverine stuff, right? Well, yeah, I mean, Logan's regarded as, like, the best. Yeah, so, well, yeah, Logan's great. And then, and then if you... And they even used him for Days of Futures Past, which is a solid movie. I I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's a good comic book movie. I think there's a difference. Oh, no, sure, there is a difference. And uh, I want to talk about the Joker, too, yep. so maybe we could get into that. It's kind yeah. of along the same lines. But Because X-Men's basically gotten a relaunch from the comic book side, right, in like the last... Well, heck, just in the last six issues, yeah. or, or 12 issues. Like, this is a total... But it's been something that's been planned for, like, the last year. We're I guess so. We're taking the X-Men, and then... We're... But here's the funny thing is, you would never know it, because they ha- they just relaunched Uncanny X-Men 20-some-odd issues ago. So, I mean, it's a year and a half or two. It all blurs together, and so they've relaunched it. Like, the mutants just disappeared, and it was Wolverine... The X-Men just disappeared. It was Scott Summers, who got back, and Wolverine trying to track them down... And then they reappear. It was kind of convoluted for a little bit. Right. But and then here comes this out of the blue, essentially stopping all of that. But the point is that you could do things like this when we were kids. I guess we didn't have, uh, you know, there weren't all these superhero movies. You had the occasional cartoon that would have like a mm-hmm. short run or whatever. We got the comic books for what they were. It almost feels like it's really hard to do something even with these legendary heritage characters that Marvel has in DC to this point as well without the backing of the movies like I feel like Thanos is household name it is now yeah if you will 
Didn't nobody know who Thanos Thanos was unless you picked up a comic book, you know, twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. I drop a Thanos on you, and it's like, and and even comic book readers, like, uh, are gonna say Purple Dude, yeah, you know, uh, Infinity Gauntlet, right? Yes, that guy, yeah. So it's tough for X Men right now in that regard. I think it is, is kind of my point. And for somebody like me who's not, I know the X Men as uh, Cyclops. Colossus, mm-hmm. you know, Wolverine, mm-hmm. Storm, uh, Phoenix, Professor X, Sabretooth. So, so when they do, they do all this spinoff, additional relaunch in this universe, and this is how it works. Now, it's a tough read, man. I feel like it's a tough read if you're just trying to get into it. Yeah, this is cool because it does have. Uh, Krakoa is now a sanctuary for mutants. Only people that can get into it are mutants or anyone that Krakoa allows it because Krakoa is a living thing. It's a living island. It has its own language. It has its own... It's not, Oa. But, yeah. Uh, yes, it is, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's not a language that you have to speak on it, but the island itself has its own language. And, of course, there is Cypher, who can understand all languages yeah, that has done that sort of thing. And there are your core of those X-Men, and then everybody else gets to come there, too. So now, out of this X-Universe, any mutant gets to hang out there now in, in good and bad like the marauders on the island you know the worst of the worst on the island because now here's the deal if you want sanctuary we have laws we have rules and if not we will not even end you we won't kill you we're just going to put you in essentially like purgatory for the rest of your life in this perpetual state of alive but you will never die you'll just be in it and it'll be like Herkoa opens up and you get dropped in this hole, and that's where you're going to be for the rest of your days, which will be forever. Sabretooth there? Sabretooth was the one that we found that out with because he was ordered on this mission. Uh, he always does something in, stupid. In, on, you know, outside of Krakoa. No casualties. He ended up killing some people on purpose. So when the newly formed council you know, does its thing, and it's well represented, the Hellfire Club, they have three seats. Xavier has got a couple people on his. Uh, other parts of X-Men have theirs, and other groups have it. Mr. Sinister is on it, and they decide, here's our first test here. Here is a Sabretooth. What are we going to do? So then they find out all of them are guilty, and they open up this hole, and that's where he's going to be forever. What about Magneto? Magneto is on the council with Professor Xavier. I was going to ask, are they doing that deal where he's in some sort of leadership role? Yes. He t- typically that's, and he's in all white now. That's the modern... Magneto that they've gone with maybe like for the last 15 years or something. Yeah, because even in the comics, he led the X-Men for a little bit. Yeah. But this one is such a neat approach because Mara finds... Well, sh- she has lived six lives total uh, up to this point. And one of them lasted a thousand years. Uh, she got to see all kinds of things during that. The interesting part of that, too, was Wolverine lived the same amount of time and wasn't going to be dying anytime soon. Uh, so that was kind of cool because, you know, we have Old Man Logan and we have some of the other, other things. Why wouldn't Wolverine live forever? You know, the whole adamantium poisoning him, I've never been a big fan of. Uh, so that's kind of cool to see that he's just going to be there forever. So she goes to Charles in the very beginning and opens his, you know, opens her mind to him. And he gets to see all of her, all six of her lives as well or whatever. She, you know, she's can kind of shield him from some of it and shows him the lives that he she wants him to see. And then now he's in it. So imagine an Xavier that has a dream and then how he thinks that dream should be carried out and then sees that he did do it that way and it didn't work. And then he did it this other way and it didn't work. And then she's like, here's how this needs to happen and what that comic turns into. That's what you get. So he's, Oh my gosh, it sounds just like butterfly effect with like a whole lot of X-Men. 
Uh, I guess so, yeah. But I, I was on board. I really am. And there were some cool characters they introduced, like, in the future. Uh, but I, the comics, as far as I can tell, the ones moving forward will just be in today. But I don't know how they really fit in to the rest of the story, to be honest. Like, the rest of the universe, to be honest with you. Because everyone knows this place exists now. Is this now the new timeline of, or the new universe moving forward? Like, out of the multiverses? Like, this is this the way it's going to uh, be? It sounds like a lot of moving parts. I mean, there's no way that's going to be canon. I don't know, but it's, it is super cool. And maybe it eventually becomes... You know, canon. Because I I watched that uh, Stephen King movie in the tall between the tall grass. I yeah. think it's what it's called on Netflix, and it's got some stuff that's pretty heady in there. And my nose started to bleed as I was trying to think about how how it all is working together. And then the same thing uh, with this. How is this going to fit into everything else? Is you've got Avenger storylines going on, and then if there's an appearance from Wolverine, is this the Wolverine? that we're used to is this the wolverine from this house of x powers of x stuff so we will see what they do i think the new comics start coming out in the next week or two for these introductions i'm very excited by that cool. but you, you did bring up the joker did you go see it i saw joker okay have you i guess i should not say the joker because it is just joker did you see it i decided not to see it in the theater because it'll look just the same as it will there as it will at my house and there's nothing you can spoil for this movie because we already know what this movie is. They borrowed some stuff, you know. They they borrowed some stuff from some comics. There's a Dark Knight Returns reference. Uh, yeah, pretty blatant reference. Like uh, it. before we move forward with it, what do you uh, one of one to five or one to ten? What do you give it? Which scale you want? What do you want? What do you think's more apropos? Hmm. Because 1 to 10, you got a lot of room there. 1 to 10. Let's do 1 to 10. Okay. I think you're right. Because everyone I've talked to and things that I read, man, this is a 9.5. 4. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> That's I'm, what you were looking for, wasn't oh, it? No, I just wanted something that was real and not something that was some blown out of proportion. Because I feel like this thing is getting blown out of proportion. There's a handful of movies that come out, and everyone's like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then you see it, and you're like, oh, okay. So 4. That's a real. That's a realistic. Why do you think it's a four over everyone else's nine? Uh, there's overacting. In general, Walking Phoenix is guilty of this a great deal. Everyone is praising his uh, his portrayal of of Joker. This movie's not winning an Oscar. I'm just gonna go ahead. Nominated for an Oscar? If there's this, like ten nominees for Best Picture these days. If this. Right, that's true. So remember that. If this movie gets nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture, it's only because the Academy is trying to bring on a modern audience because nobody's watching or caring about the Academy Awards anymore. That's true. We've spoken about that. And if they do that, then what that says about, you know, American cinema is even probably more telling at that point. Well, I think the fact that they do have like seven or eight or ten nominees these days is also just sort of telling on how they feel they need to be more inclusive, though really there's five Best Picture nominees that should really happen, or six. You, there shouldn't be... Like, to me, there there shouldn't be a number. Like, if there's three films that warrant being nominated, then there should be three. But at no, I can't recall a year in which there should have been nine nominees for right. Best Motion Picture. Uh, there's overacting... By not just Joaquin, other people as well. De Niro... He's the same guy in every film anyway. Oh, he dials it up, dude. Oh, really? 
like, oh, because he's playing a talk show host, right? Mm-hmm. And comedian? Now, remember the Dark Knight Returns yes. reference that I just made earlier? Yeah. Do you remember the scene in which the Joker, not the scene, I guess, the panel, or it is an animated movie, but you remember when Joker was rehabilitated? Do you remember that in Dark Knight Returns? You know where they brought him? To a television show to show everybody that the Joker yes. has been rehabilitated. Okay, that show. Uh, well, they borrowed. Okay, because greatly, if you remember in the comic, the Joker immediately wreaks havoc, and that is kind of like the whole deal. And BTW um, mentioned that it's also a cartoon. I between the last podcast and now, I watched for the first time the Killing Joke, the the animated. It's great. Yeah, really solid. You need to watch. Have you? Never seen Dark Knight Returns? I that's the maybe one of the few DC animated that I've seen. HBO has it right now. So it's I was like, great. oh look at that. It's it's fantastic. Okay, I'll put it on. Um so overacting. They're doing a, a Joker origin story, which is great because uh, and I've seen a lot of people that you know, a lot of people talked about this, like we don't need a Joker origin story. We've gotten it. We've we've gotten we've never gotten a Joker origin story. Like the one that Tim Burton painted that's not necessarily an origin story, right? Like, right. here's a street criminal, and then he fell into a vat of acid. Right. And now, all of a sudden, he's insane with a locked-in smile. That's not an origin story. Yeah. And they're trying to show you, like... It's a plot device. It is. It's 100% a plot device. Did I tell you that I watched Heath Ledger? Did I tell you I watched the Christopher Nolan series? I don't think so. All right, so a couple weeks ago, I watched Christopher Nolan series... Not Batman Begins. I, I, for some reason, I've seen Batman Begins 50 times. Yeah. And then I've seen... That's because TBS, I think they had rights to that first and just still yeah, run it as much. They killed it. Now, I've got all that stuff on 4K now, so I just skipped that one and I watched the last two movies. I kind of dogged Heath Ledger's role for a really long time. Yeah. You've never been one to like really prop that one up. Oh, no, it's good. Yeah. The opening scene from that with the bank robbery and when they're wearing the mask and he's mm-hmm. waiting on the bus and like the whole thing is incredible. And... What Joaquin Phoenix does in this movie is really dark, and he's he's mentally unstable. He's mm-hmm. mentally ill, and now that's been a whole thing too. It's like, well, we're glorifying mental. No, we're not. We're making a dark movie, and that's yeah. like a hundred percent okay. Yeah, like I can name a thousand of those. Silence of the Lambs, a great example. So they're they go really dark in this one, though. A lot of it was unnecessary, and the overacting, like Joaquin Phoenix dances a lot, mm-hmm. and there's like a lot of like really cheesy music cues too yeah like almost like you remember when you first saw goodfellas or casino never seen them i'm just kidding or reservoir dogs or any well any tarantino movie Mm -hmm. and and the coen brothers will do this too and the music cues when you first saw those like i always thought goodfellas was the best use of music that i had ever seen Mm -hmm. right and vietnam films were also big on those uh right Forrest Gump. Apocalypse Now. And yeah, but and even after, so yeah. Forrest Gump would have been after right, that. Right, right, right. Well, Forrest Gump, the music cues, if you go back and watch now, are kind of corny because it, yeah. it's like, we're going to do this thing that Scorsese does. Here comes Credence mm-hmm. or Sweet Home Alabama or whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? This movie is that. Yeah. You can almost watch it and be like, oh, we're about to get cheesy music cue right here. There's also controversy around one of those. Gary <laughs> Glitter. Yeah. Yeah, they rock, use and rock and roll part two. So they use that, and everyone's like, I can't believe they put this pedophile's music in here, and they're glorifying and all that stuff. So now it has come out that Gary Glitter will not receive one red cent for that song, 
and nor would he if it got played in um, you know in a football game in a stadium today because he does not own the rights to his music anymore. There's uh, someone who owns it in England, someone who owns it over here, and they have it. So whoever has the real rights to say yes, you can use it or not, you know, granted it, and he doesn't see a penny. They say we have zero contact with him, so you can go see it conscious free. But if it's a fun song, I don't really care. Yeah, well, it's weird. I mean, my like, man's in prison, so it's not like no, anything else is going to happen to him. So if it's a, if it's if it fits the scene, okay. Well, I feel like we could walk into the Louvre and like look at a lot of paintings and be like, wow, look at this incredible art. But if we really dug around and started yeah, reading, that guy touched little boys. Yeah, and we'd see there'd be some weird shit on everyone. Yeah, yeah. If Gary Glitter cured cancer today in prison, everyone's going to take that cure. They're not going to go, oh, pedophile? No, I'm not, take, I'm not taking that cancer cure. Also, in this weird way, like I feel like the Gary Glitter thing works because of who he is. He's Gary Glitter, and this is kind of like a crazy mad... Yeah. Does that make sense? Were you taken aback when you heard it? Or did you already know it was in there because you had seen articles on it? Yeah, I'd seen articles. Yeah. And I'd, yeah. You didn't care, though, right? No, it doesn't trigger... That, that's like a big thing now. Woke culture. I what know. are the triggers? I don't... Ah. Dude, I don't have triggers. Yeah. Like, I don't... I'm sorry. Like, don't write or send a... I just... I kind of go through the world trying to do good things and help people, and I don't really let the bullshit get in my way. Yeah. Neither here nor there, though. But um, I didn't like the film. Like, And I also have this thing where how many discussions have we had on this particular podcast about how villains can't carry a movie without the superhero? Yeah. And this is a great example of that. Because I had heard that you could this could have been any movie – then you could have called it Steven or some other title, and it could have not been about the Joker, and it would have been the same movie. True or false? Just a downward spiral of someone who becomes either an anti-hero or is his way into villainy. False. Okay. And, 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 it, it only works as the Joker? First or off, Joker? that's a great assessment. It, it really is. But how can I say this and convey it properly? I don't like the movie. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. Sky Captain World of Tomorrow, <laughs> right? It's not that bad. It's just that I found it really predictable. Mm-hmm. It was over the top in a way that was kind of unnecessary, and like the darkness was like too dark, but not in a way where I'm like shuddering because I'm like, oh, I can't believe they went there. Almost, I'm shuddering because oh, really, they're going there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. You can make this movie about Steve, mm-hmm. but this is the Joker origin story. So here's a good example, and it's not going to make any sense at all, but I will try. Okay. Let's make a movie about uh, a young man or a boy who is seven years old, Okay. and his parents are killed right in front of him. Mm-hmm. Now, his parents were wealthy, and he inherits the business, and he does a lot of philanthropy and he does good for people. Mm-hmm. And his whole mission in life is doing good for everybody because somebody killed his parents. Like I'm obviously telling the Batman story. Oh, I didn't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, yes, I followed. I'll give you a similar movie plot. Now, mm-hmm. the movie unravels, and he, do, he, he the guy doesn't wear a suit. You mm-hmm. and I have a mutual admiration of the film The Game with Michael Douglas. Right, yeah, yeah. Isn't it sort of portrayed in that movie that Michael Douglas's parents were killed at some point? Obviously not gunned down in front of him. They mm-hmm. died by whatever ways when he was... Because there's several scenes in the movie where he's watching home videos mm-hmm. of his dad who was clearly a wealthy business owner. Mm-hmm. And now Michael Douglas has come into this role. It could very well be the Batman story. 
Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can see that. You know, in some kind of way or whatever. So it's not fair to say that, oh, yeah, this movie could have been about a guy named Ernie who's just, like, down on his luck or whatever. Right. So I'm glad that you gave it a four because uh, there's a there's a guy, Kyle Pinion, who writes for Geek Rex, uh, geekrex.com. And I know Kyle, and I appreciate his movie reviews because they're always real. And, you know, sometimes they might be kind of counterculture just because if something's so hyped up like this, you kind of want to be the person that's like, it's not all that good, even if you did think it was good. I'm not doing that. Right, I, I know, I know. And so uh, his and besides you are the only two people that are like, ah, okay, that's fine. Wasn't the greatest thing, wasn't the worst thing. Because uh, a lady that works with my, my wife was like, oh my goodness, have you guys seen it? You haven't seen it? You got to see it. You have to see it. It's so good. Joaquin Phoenix is amazing in this movie. You know what I'm also gathering, too? It's the power of the license. If that movie's called Steve, and he doesn't paint his face, mm-hmm. you just take all that out. Doesn't paint his face, and the long stringy hair, he's not the Joker. Yeah. Do people still go see it? First off, it's not going to have the budget that it yeah. got because yeah. it was. It's not going to have the marketability, right? You can't call it Joker. I think it costs like fifty million to make this thing, right? And agree to disagree here, but I think the Joker is even with the Marvel universe in his current state, the Joker is the most famous villain of all time. Thanos may have surpassed him for what it's worth right now. I don't think so. On the Thanos part. I can't think of another villain like that. People would recognize Dr. Octopus. They would recognize various, the Green Goblin, but it's not the Joker. I mean, think about how long, just even with the TV show, how long the Joker with Cesar Romero has been around. Right. And just saw, yeah, so I know I think hands down, and I never thought about the marketing aspect of that either, to where, yes, it's done as we do this podcast now, it is just shy of six hundred million dollars worldwide which is awful it's an r-rated movie let me tell you why that's bad because now the powers that be for warner Mm -hmm. the powers that be for dc think they know how to make a good movie because they're they're incredibly profitable well look what they left out superheroes right well what would you do next in that what does DC have now? I don't. Well, they do have the Harley, the Birds of Prey, and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, which trailer came out like the official trailer maybe two weeks ago. That doesn't look good. It either. doesn't look very good at all. And that's going to be next up for them. And then after that, we get a 1985 or 1984 for Wonder Woman. I get confused because I'm watching American Horror Story right now, and it is 1984. So that's next, but that's a whole year after it was supposed to come out. Some are saying, you know, it's a May-type movie. I think it's May of next year when it comes out. Others are saying it wasn't put together very well, and so they had to go do some some different things to make sure that that's right. And then after that, you get the sui- you get the Batman somewhere in there, and you get the Suicide Squad. Though you get Suicide Squad first, and then you get the Batman. And then after that, I don't know what you're getting. I want another Superman movie. I don't think they're going to touch Superman. It'll be a while. I really don't. I think that they've tried. What's the one that I kind of like and that no, that nobody... Uh, Man of Steel? No. Oh, Superman Returns? Superman Returns. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Superman Returns. We had gone so long without Superman. Yeah. I loved it when I saw what Brandon Routh looked like, and I loved the effects. My whole thing was, like, I knew what was happening in that movie, mm-hmm. and I feel like the average moviegoer had no clue. 
and they really went out and they're like, we're making this movie. Yeah. Well, you can't make a movie for comic book nerds. I've never made a, f- a movie before. Mm-hmm. I-, I wouldn't even, I don't know anything about Hollywood. I don't know how it functions. I just like movies. Uh, but I even, I know that's a stupid idea. Yeah. You can't just take a plot like that. But anyways, I want you to see Joker. I want you to see, to, to see if we agree. Just to, for a frame of reference here. So I went back retroactively and watched the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Like I said, I've seen Begins a dozen times, or 50 times probably. But my brother and I go back and forth of which is the best movie of that trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's either the first movie or the second movie. Definitely not the third. You're right on that. Well, every once in a while, I'll have this weird hankering where I'm like, ooh, the end of the third movie is awesome. Yeah, it's cool, but the yeah, rest but of it's ruined by I can't know what's going on. Right, that that's true. Uh, but I would give the first movie... I like the second one more than I do the first, I'll, I'll tell you that. I, I'll tell you, I, I think the first one's a nine, and the second movie is like whatever's right below a ten. I, I really believe that. The only reason I wouldn't give... What is that one? Is that The Dark Knight? I I blurs. Yeah, it's Dark Knight and then Dark yes. Knight Rises. Yes, that's right. So, I would give Dark Knight whatever's just below a ten. Some of the scenes drag too long. The rooftop fight scene at the end of the movie is it drags. Mm. A lot of the scenes with the Joker drag a, a little bit. Like they could they could get out twenty seconds beforehand. Mm-hmm. You kind of notice it if you watch it over and over and over again. Though my the the pencil the disappearing pencil trick. I think it's a pencil. Yeah. Uh, is one of my favorite scenes of like any movie where he just smashes that guy's face down onto it and goes, disappears. Well, that scene's awesome, and that's what's missing in the Joker movie. That sort of stuff. Senseless insanity. Mm-hmm. Right? We lock in and pay too much attention on why the Joker is the way he is. And I get that's the whole point of the film. Right. But what makes the Joker so enigmatic, if you will, is because you don't know why. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Look, that's the Hannibal Lecter thing. You mentioned Silence of the Lambs earlier. Hannibal Lecter, there was no rhyme or reason. He just ate people. Yeah, all that's, right, that's he, true. And he is a doctor. This yeah. is not a down on his luck man. This yeah. is a revered author of books mm-hmm. in 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 the medical community. He is known as the leader. And at the forefront of psychology. Mm-hmm. He, if Sigmund Freud was walking around the day, his name would be Hannibal Lecter. Isn't that the way they paint it? Yeah. But he eats people in yep. his spare time. Which apparently is not okay. Right. And that is what makes the Joker who he is. I'll and give you that. that's the Heath Ledger thing. Christopher Nolan doesn't bother with the Joker origin. You know why? Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know who else never fooled with it? DC. DC's never really given us the official the official origin. We, it, we have a couple different versions. Is it considered the Red Hood down on his luck gets pulled into this to make some money because he's got a pregnant wife? Failing comedian yeah. or failing salesman. There's a couple different angles, but yeah. the Red Hood thing, 100% to me, if I were in charge, that's canon. Right. That's what I would think. Have you seen the Joker memes of Joaquin Phoenix walking down the hall and he's he's got his Joaquin Phoenix Joker laugh and then they've taken other laughs and put it on top of it yes. instead. The Peter Griffin one from Family Guy it's great. is one of my absolute favorite ones and it fits so amazingly well. I think that uh, what, the 
I don't want to trash it because I really enjoy Joaquin Phoenix. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's great, even when he's awful. And he's been awful a lot. I'm an M. Night guy, too. Yeah. He's in The Village, Joaquin yes. Phoenix. I don't, I don't mind that movie. I like the M. Night Shyamalan movies. No, I like Girl in the Water. Is that what that one's called? No, The Village. No, no. The, oh, the yeah, Girl in the Water. Yeah. It's a whole... Yeah, that's the movie after The Village. In the, in the, in the little community complex uh, or whatever. Paul, Paul Giamatti. Yes, yes, and Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes. So... You know, Joaquin Phoenix is awful in The Village. I, I'm not. That's not even up for debate. Go back and watch The Village. He's like, it wigs me out when people do these roles, but it's mm-hmm. like Leonardo DiCaprio and Gilbert Grape. Right. And I'm like, well, mm, you're you're mentally handicapped, and you're it's that's a fine line. <laughs> it's like Tropic Thunder. Yeah. You don't go full. Yeah, you don't. And and Joaquin Phoenix is a little much in The Village. Yeah. I, I don't know of another I've way I've seen it once it. or twice. It's been so long. That was one of those M. Nights on most of them. Once you get the reveal, then you kind of don't have to go see that again because you're not going to... F- you see it one more time just to see if you pick up on stuff. Also, too, I wanted to point out that don't present Joker to me if you're using the license and you're saying that this is the Joker mm-hmm. that I already know about. Mm-hmm. I already know the kind of stuff he's capable of. Right, I've known that since uh, Bob Kane, dude. Right, this is a long time ago. Yeah, don't present him as all. Oh, he's just eat up with mental illness. We've got to do something for him. You know what we do for him? Batman whips his ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how it works. But do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like you're trying to present him to me all of a sudden as like the antihero. You used that term a little earlier yeah. in passing. No, 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 no. Yeah. Super villain. Yes. He is a super villain. Yes. Uh, took Commissioner Gordon's daughter, uh, rapes her, paralyzes her, and then shows the pictures to right. her father. And you can't say it's not the same guy because you use the license to market the film. Yeah. People went to the movie It's because it's not called Steve. <laughs> Yes. It, it's called Joker, so we know who that guy is. And at the end of the movie, you know, there's a couple pivotal scenes in the movie, but he is clearly a has a villainous behavior. Do not paint him out as being, oh my gosh, he's he might be schizophrenic. He may be bipolar. You know what he needs? He needs some a pills and a psychiatrist. Or something. No, he doesn't. He needs Christian Bale to whip his ass, mm-hmm. dude. And oh, and by the way, too, Heath Ledger, way tougher character than Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, he gets hit with a gosh darn cardboard sign and uh, beaten up by some street kids, right? Well, there's two versions of the Joker in the comic book, and you're familiar with both. There is the one that has a high pain tolerance. They've Mm -hmm. had that one before. I mean, how many times has Joker been, you know, hit in the face with a batarang or whatever, and he somehow always manages to scurry off? And then there's the ultra-frail Joker. Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of killing joke. Kind of, I guess, but he's a little more frail. Mm Mm-hmm. This Joaquin Phoenix, like, he's there's no street fight with Batman coming from that character. It's not a thing. Unless he, as the crazy comes, he gets tougher and he like enjoy it starts to enjoy pain or something like that. Uh, you did mention a second ago that you're not a movie maker. You wouldn't even know where to start. But uh, it made me think of this. Whenever the lottery gets real high and there's like hundreds of millions of dollars up for grabs, and you're like, what would I spend that money on? I feel like I would set aside... 10 to 50 million dollars. I'm talking about ludicrous. I won hundreds of millions. You won 700 million dollars. And I could set aside 10 million or so or more to make a movie because they're looking for financing all the time or I could be the primary financier of one. If it's a hundred million dollar movie and I put up 50 million, I'm the executive producer of this one. 
someone there go get the other 50 million somewhere else what are you making comic book wise you're in control you're you're handling it what movie are you making what movie do i personally want to see let's do two what would you make because you want to see it and or what do you make that you think will make you money that will be the next big thing potentially that has potential i would do superman all right like right out the gate and you do it the right way i would do it so i would watch i'd watch superman christopher reeve Mm -hmm. i'd watch christopher reeve film and then i'm gonna follow the plot pretty closely obviously there's gonna be a a brand new screenplay and and script written Mm -hmm. and whatever the weird earth plot was in that one superman returns no what's the first super in lex well for superman returns uh lex wants to create land no what no no, no. i'm talking about the first, the first movie one. christopher reeve wasn't he trying to destroy because there are all these crappy scenes at the end where like the you can tell it's a model on a table yeah i, yeah, or no, I he had missiles or something man, i can't all i i know there's one where superman goes back in time is that part two no, nah, part two is with Zod. No, nah, that's part a, one. He goes back in time, right? Yeah, it's the first one. He spins around the Earth. So yes, fast. because like the, the the plate tectonics are shifting or something. So I think Lex is blowing up stuff to shift that and that's cause what he havoc. Is. All right, so here's what I'm doing. I'm going to take the first half of Superman mm-hmm. with Christopher Reeve, and then I'm just going to change what Lex is trying to do, and that's going to be the movie that I'm going to make. But so, he he's going into a phone booth. Mm-hmm. And I don't care, dude. I don't care. <laughs> it takes Superman an hour to go rescue someone because he's trying to find a phone booth to change into. Okay, you, no, you don't have to do that. You know what he does? Uh, turnstile doors. Okay. He goes through turnstile doors. I'm having that scene because yeah. in Manhattan you can't find a, you know, every one of them. Yeah, every door. He's going through there and he's becoming Superman. How's he not murdered anyone in that? By the way, because it's a very populous city. Someone's always going in and out of those, and he's got them spinning around it thousands of miles per hour one it breaks the hinges two he's gonna kill someone i think he's got his hand on the hinges or something as he's doing it because he's superman neither here nor there just curious the helicopter scene with lois she's Mm -hmm. falling off the Mm -hmm. i'm doing that i mean i'm 100 percent doing that it's the best scene in the whole movie and he goes into the does he do turnstile doors that he does phone booth doesn't he i think it's both probably but it's it's that particular while since i've seen that movie i'm doing that one I'm not doing Batman. Like, that would be my, my logical thing. Like, I would want to do a Batman film. I'm not doing it. I'm going to do the Spider-Man movie with Venom that I want. That'd be a good one. I would almost do a Sinister Six Spider-Man. Put them all in there? Mm-hmm. But I want the... I got to do all the symbiote stuff. I have to. If I wanted to do... So, if it's today's time, if I'm doing Spider-Man, I'm doing Spider-Man Multiverse Sinister Six. I'm because Spider-Man alone cannot defeat the Sinister Six, and the fact that it's happened in the comics is just BS. It's like if you take Bruce Lee and you put him in a room, and then you take six people with skills, because all the Sinister Six do, they would beat Bruce Lee's ass. And so they're going to get hurt in the process, but there's no way Bruce wins that fight. Just not going to happen. I mean, I've I've taught martial arts for years. Like he's amazing. No way that happens. All six rush him at the same time. One's going to get kicked in the nads. Another's in the face. The other four, now he's on the ground. He's not getting back up. He's pinned. You're talking about Peter. No, I'm talking about Bruce Lee. Oh, Bruce Lee. Just for real life reference there. Now you take the Sinister Six. They've got powers. So does Peter. 
there's no way all six at the same time are taking him down. I would say that uh, Peter Parker, way better martial artist than Bruce Lee. Like, Mar- martial artist, no. Fighter, eh, he gets by because of his powers. Dude, he, he knows it's coming. Bruce Lee was just really fast and knew uh, how to do a bunch of cool kicks and stuff. He never knew anything was coming. I will say as a whole, I don't think that's how the spider sense has been working these days. When something crazy's happening that he doesn't see coming, like a someone's throwing a stick of dynamite at him from behind. He's having a coffee. He knows something's up. Let me go. But when he's in the moment, it's not like he's fighting and the spider sense goes off the, the way I read the comics before the punch hits him in the face. He does have really fast reflexes. Yes. But if you take whatever Sinister Six you're going to do and you if they attack Peter at the same time, there's no way he wins. If you spend $100 million making a movie where Peter Parker doesn't win because the Sinister Six bum-rush him at the beginning of the film, yeah. then you just lost it's, it's, $100 million. It's a short film. It is. I've Netflix bought it. Now, let me ask you a question. Can I cast anybody that I want and there are no contractual obligations in this hypothetical scenario? Your goal is to make either... Your, you can make... you know Our scenario is two movies. You can make one for you. You have full control. You have full control of the second one, too, but your second one is all about making money. So I would say keep that in mind. So the answer is yes to both of those. You can cast whomever you like. I ha- Okay, then let me change it up then. I'm doing Green Lantern. Ryan Reynolds is going to play Hal Jordan. Okay. I'm going to do it right, and I want the entire directorial team, CGI team, and everybody from Guardians of the Galaxy. I want the entire Guardians. So you of want the- James Gunn, and then uh, I think maybe uh, Weta might have been Weta, might have been Lucas uh, Lucas Films. I think did um, or the, his little all oh, the Lucas branch of Disney. I think they did the special effects. That's what I want. I want that. Yeah, because Guardians of the Galaxy is what Green Lantern should have been. I'll give you that. I, I mean, I really believe that. You do Sinestro as the bad guy. Not even bothering with the backstory. He's just already the Yellow Lantern, and that's who you're fighting. Dude, Sinestro's the bad guy. And there has to be a part where Hal Jordan, you know, goes into space at some point and figures out what it what he is mm-hmm. and what he's doing, and he speaks before the council and all that. No more Green Lanterns. In my movie, he doesn't need to know that they even exist. I don't need Kilowog. I don't need any of that. Sinestro is yellow, and he has a, a yellow ring, mm-hmm. and that's just how that that works. And I and I explain that to. Now I've set up a franchise because at the end I can bring... You can bring the Green Lanterns in. Right. And then there's Red Lanterns. Heck, you, like an Atrocitus movie? That'd be pretty slick. And Atrocitus... Atrocitus is dead, by the way, but Atrocitus... Spoiler would, alert. Yeah, sorry. Atrocitus would kill in a movie because he is... Literally and figuratively. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, but he is... Uh, I mean, he's fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's what he is. He's anger and he's aggression, and it's like... That's what you need. Until you said Green Lantern... I was I was on board for other ones, but I feel like Green Lantern is poised to do so much more. Oh, and Jeff Johns, mm-hmm. he's on the set. Like a Cre- creative consultant. That's right. So if we're out of line, it's like, yo, Jeff, where are we at on this? And he's going to be like, well, you know, issue 692, we kind of had a scenario like this. I'm like, because he had that run of Green Lantern that lasted, gosh, years and years and years, and it was so good. You just... Heck, just pull your story out of that one. And I feel like the way that Justice League was completely disassembled is just silly to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, did each of the individual movies properly? That would have never happened. And then they got uh, Aquaman right. 
Mm-hmm. And they got Wonder Woman right, kind of. I mean, not Wonder Woman. I mean, Aquaman, they got kind of right. Wonder Woman's great film. Yeah. But they... You never saw Shazam, right? No, I, I punted on Shazam. I have it on Blu-ray. I'll let you borrow it. Do I need to watch Shazam? Why not? Just to see if, you know, see what your thoughts. You saw you saw Joker. You go watch Shazam. And I don't even know if my Justice League movie has Shazam sitting at the table. It should not. Now, I would make Justice League in a heartbeat. I would love to do a, a Justice League movie, but you do Martian Manhunter, and you do... Flash. You do Flash. It's, you know... Hulk Girl, maybe? I think I might do Hawk Man. Well, you probably need some diversity in there, so you probably have to do Hawk Girl. She's the predominant one in it these days anyway. I'm not doing Cyborg. I'll leave him to to uh, Teen Titans. Cyborg is a cool uh, afterthought character. If you bring Cyborg in and he is always... In like the Watchtower? That's right. I'm so okay with that. he's in the Watchtower and he can uh, access data and all that, but he plays a minor role, almost like... Uh, Batgirl. What's her favorite? When... Uh, Oracle? Or even Alfred, or mm-hmm. even Lucius Fox in the Christopher Nolan movies. Like Lucius Fox, Morgan Freeman kills in that role. Mm-hmm. He might have collectively eighteen minutes in the trilogy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And so that, like, I feel like you do that with Cyborg. It, yeah, like, he's got seven minutes of screen time. Yeah, so I'm definitely rolling Batman. I'm doing Superman, of course, Wonder Woman because you got to have the Trinity Trinity in in the film. I'm throwing Aquaman in because I feel like you need to have that. And then you could pick some kind of tertiary cool members. Just for the fun of it, night like a Nightwing, uh, maybe so. Um, but more so, like if you throw a Plastic Man reference in there, because I I want a Hall of Justice, and I want the Watchtower, and I I want as you're walking down the halls or doing whatever, I want it to be fairly lighthearted, like an Avengers movie. But I want to see these guys, you know, kick ass and have fun with it. And either you have to do a Dark Side type movie or Zod. Uh, Zod would be cool. Zod, you could do. You can't do any of the Batman villains. Like, keep that stuff out of Justice League. No, because Batman doesn't have any... Not that he doesn't, but, like, they're not so powerful that Superman can't just go, oh, I got this. That's the thing when Joker shows up in Justice League. I'm like, this is the dumbest thing. Like, he's... You're going to stomp that dude's ass. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Superman could sneeze him to death. Right. One sneeze, uh, just like in the movies. It's a strike, except that bowling ball's through Joker's head at that point. So... So that's my Justice League movie. I I, I would have all those things. It would be uh, a lighter tone to it. And why would that not work? We love Batman. We love Wonder Woman at this point. We love Superman. We love these characters. Why would that not work? Do you, so that's your movie? You're doing Justice League? Yeah. And what else? Uh, you I, have to do Superman. You have to. That would be the one that would probably be for me. A, ju- a Superman that, that really works. And it's not hard to do that. And, and I wouldn't pull any of those tricks that, that the movie did and that the comic books do because he's so hard to write because he is Superman. He can do everything. How do you defeat him? So you take his powers away. No, that's cheap writing. And for Superman 2, that's also cheap writing. I want to be with Lois. You can't do it unless you have your powers. Like, like that's just poor writing. I do want to see... Like, there is something to be said for the lack of use of kryptonite, though. Like, there's always some kind of weird loophole. Mm Mm-hmm. Kryptonite completely debilitates Superman. He, yep. He's Clark Kent, mm-hmm. and he's mere mortal, and he's literally a frail, weak human being. Like Because Clark Kent, too, it's always like the dumb thing about Superman. It's not dumb. It is now, but it wasn't at the time. Clark Kent is a mighty human being. 
I mean, the Clark Kent that is portrayed on screen is usually like a guy like a Christopher Reeve, like a six foot three. Oh, yeah, he's a dude who would play football. Right. I mean, he is a man. So he, but he plays a part, and so, and that's been referenced a lot. You know, he plays the uh, tripping fool, the the one that trips over his words. Even confused. At yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't didn't see you there. You know. But and, I would like the movie where Clark where. Superman is completely subdued by kryptonite, and there's not some weird thing where somebody comes and takes the kryptonite and takes it, you know, moves it away from him or mm-hmm. whatever. You could make an awesome two-parter Superman movie in, the, in which he loses in the first one, or even dies at the end of the second film. I don't need him to die. I don't need that stuff. That's, that's those are also the sort of plot devices that get you to buy the next comic or to go see the next movie. Not in this scenario, dude. You won the lottery. This is it. This is your film. But I don't I don't want him to die. I don't need him to. He's Superman. I'd kill Spider-Man. You could also make a sick Peter Parker's Dead, Miles Morales' not movie that would be awesome. I Well, that's why I think a multiverse, Spider-Man multiverse, like real live action, would be pretty amazing. That could be my money maker. And that and that could be my Sinister Six. Or just do the multiverse one and, and, and pick something to roll with that. But if you did do Superman and you use Kryptonite, you can have Lex as your villain. But I'm not doing Jesse Eisenberg, and I'm not doing Kevin Spacey. I'm doing more of a badass sort of Lex Luthor, almost like Mark Strong. Uh, whenever he's bald, like that's an imposing-looking man. I always like Lex to be older. Mm-hmm. He's got to be older than yeah, because he's he's been plotting stuff his whole life. I like. I really. This is going to sound so corny, but why not bring Picard into this whole thing, dude? Because he's Jean-Luc Picard, he's not menacing enough. I he's he's Professor X. Like he doesn't do wrong. Like he's not that that guy is not going to hurt anyone. Lex Luthor wants to hurt people. What American actor do we have that can play that role? Kevin Spacey is officially evil in real life. Maybe he does it. Dude, I am so sorry, but Kevin Spacey is one of those dudes where they're like, he's such an atrocious human being, and like, I'll raise my hand and agree to that. Apparently, he just wasn't doing it the right way and is all kinds of messed up. Yeah. But this whole deal where like, all of a sudden now, we can't say that he was good in American Beauty or... My man can act. Yeah. He was great as legs. I really liked it. It's the woke society again that you mentioned earlier. We're not supposed to do that. Just like I mentioned, if if Hitler cured cancer, we're still going to take that cure. We know he was a terrible, terrible, terrible person and deserves to die. All of those things. We're still going to take it. I would even recast some of the Superman people. Like, I feel like Kevin Costner in Man of Steel. Great. Drilled it. Mm -hmm. Who was Diane Lane? Yeah, because she was also in uh, Justice League. uh, Yeah, Justice League. And and she's phenomenal. Who do you get to be uh, Superman? I still like Henry Cavill. I'm on board with uh, you know the cavalry and uh, allowing him to still do it because I like him as Superman. I think he could pull that off, so I wouldn't necessarily want to take that away from him. If I had to pick somebody new, I don't know who you roll with. I mean, it's 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 such an iconic role and it's such an iconic look. I'm also so unhip. I don't know who the 25 year olds out there are. You know who could play Superman? but they're typecast into exactly what they are, and properly so. Chris Pratt would have been an incredible Clark Kent, and you could have done something there, too. To You'd have to do something different with his hair, I guess, but like mm-hmm. as the clumsy, awkward Clark Kent, oh, sure. he would have been 
he would have been amazing. He's my Indiana Jones, though. Yeah, he is Indiana Jones, and he, I don't know if he can do Superman because Superman, Superman has this sense of humor that's not cheesy. Yeah, Superman is like I'm the coolest dude on the planet, and I might make some sort of sarcastic comment after I beat everybody up. Yeah, because Chris Pratt's humor is Parks and Rec. That's where he lives, and that's what he excels at. Superman doesn't do that. You know what the problem is? Christopher Reeve was so much better than anybody else that's ever played Superman. I will say yes to that, but my one question would be, is it because that movie was set up to be better than the other ones? If you take Henry Cavill and you put him in that movie, does he not excel? Okay, so it's a two-part question. Yes and no. The movie is set up for Superman to, to look great. One thing about that movie that not a lot of people remember, and that the I took... The first one? Yeah, that I took note of the very first time I watched it, how little dialogue Superman and Clark Kent actually have. Mm-hmm. There's very little. Doesn't speak a whole lot. Even when he's with Lois as Superman, he has a hard time sort of... You know, because remember he wants to tell her that he's right Superman a million times. But he's interrupted by something happening or some action scene, or now he's got to go and transition. And Lois is always a mile a minute anyway. That, that's right. And Clark Kent and Superman, in every Superman movie, since Superman 1 and 2, because when Superman got out of control, and now, you know, we've got Richard Pryor and oh, Su- you know, Superman Part 3. They kind of lose all of that. And Superman and Clark Kent have had way more dialogue in the movie since. That's true. Superman I- doesn't talk a lot in the comics. Uh, well, it's weird. I read, uh, you know, action and I read Superman. So, of course, in there they have it. But they're doing a good job right now of giving villains that are giving him a tough time. Uh, there's like this red mist character that's out. As mm-hmm. I, I know I'm miss, missing up on, on what the character, uh, the name is or whatever. Uh, that's giving him a tough time. But there's there's this event Leviathan thing going on. So they're they're doing okay with those comics. But I feel like I would do a Superman movie for me, and I think my moneymaker would either be Justice League or a Spider-Man multiverse movie. I figure that works. That's tough. And I'm, I'm definitely still keeping uh, Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Then you get the fun of casting the the extra people. You get to put in Miles Morales. You get uh, you get Spider Gwen. You put Silk into this because I know Silk's in our universe. I make Silk come from somewhere else. You know, then you kind of handpick the other ones that you think would be kind of cool to kind of come into the fray, and I think that crushes because the cartoon version was amazing. I think make- I, I misinterpreted the categories here. I didn't know that I was making a movie for me. So that's two. Yeah, one of them is just for you. Whatever you want to do doesn't matter if it makes money. The other one is if you want to make some money. Well, the Green Lantern one is the one where I'm going to make money because I think I can lead that to the Justice League thing. Mm-hmm. In a real life scenario, like if this actually happened, I'm definitely I have to make a Batman movie. And I think that uh, if I do it in in that, if I do the Batman movie, I am literally doing page for page Dark Knight Returns. Okay, because I, I feel like. Like, they wanted to go for that. They tried for Batman versus Superman. It was terrible. Yeah. I just go page for page and check this out. You know who gets to play Batman in that movie? Because we're older now, yeah. How old is he in that? They never really say, but he's got to be 60 years old, or he's close. I feel like Superman shouldn't age like we do, but that's a different thing. Uh, 
Yeah, like John Hamm could be a good one. George Clooney. You bring Ooh. him back. He's got chops now. Yeah. That was those movies were stupid. Mm-hmm. Like he took that role because it paid him more so money than he's he. Superman or he's Batman? He's Batman. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. He's Batman. And Superman in that movie, he could do John Hamm. You know who you know who's my Superman, I think, in that? Who? I might take Hugh Jackman. What if I bring it full circle? Because I just recast Clooney as Batman again. Mm-hmm. Nick Cage, Superman. <laughs> He'd be at the appropriate age. Nick Cage as Superman. And I kind of feel, based upon Frank Miller's sort of writing style and stories, that Nick Cage would fit into that universe a little bit better than a real Superman movie. Remember my Jeff Johns is going to be on the set for The Green Lantern? Mm-hmm. Frank Miller's not coming anywhere near my <laughs> Batman movie. I think that was our, I think it was our last podcast <laughs> talking was. about how uh, that should not work out well. Um, one last thing, I did see that uh, we're talking about a bunch of Batman stuff. Uh, they're doing this, uh, I just saw the news today, this new dark universe batman and i don't know if i'm late on something it's tales from the dark multiverse and it's nightfall and this is um asriel um his character uh, which is uh i can't think of his his first name off the bat but he looks super cool he is saint batman and this is where i don't know if i have missed the boat if because i'm not the batman guy if saint batman has been around or they're taking a guy who's been around, uh, which is the Jean-Paul Valley, which what isn't that uh, uh, Azrael? Yeah, so uh, Azrael has played several different Batman variations mm-hmm. over the course of time. You know, Azrael's whole gimmick is he is going to be he's the next he's a successor to Batman. Okay, yeah, that's kind of the whole deal with Azrael. There, teach me, I can. You know, take your role when you're no longer able to do your thing. Azrael is a bizarre character, but this isn't new. So the, this, what about the, the idea? Okay, so this says, don't miss this twisted tale from the pages of the game-changing event, Batman Nightfall. 30 years after Bruce Wayne was broken and failed to take back the mantle of the bat, Jean-Paul Valley, now known as Sing Batman, has turned Gotham into the city of his dreams. In his new order, killing has become commonplace and criminals live in constant fear, all in the name of justice. But just when all seems lost, a new hope for Gotham City rises, the son of Bane. So that's going to be, it's a one shot. It's bad. You're not on board with this? Not at all. So my question is, this Saint Batman has not existed before this book. The character of Jean-Paul Valley and Azrael, of course. But this character, I feel like I've never seen before. And it's coming out of the Dark Multiverse, which to me is like metal and all of those things. Yeah, this is... Yeah, you're right. Okay. So this is worth at least a pickup then. Because it's Scott Snyder's writing it. Mm. Not on board? Mm. Snyder's falling off the rails didn't we do that in the last podcast too no i don't think so but maybe we might have touched on a little bit this comes out on wednesday or for us we're doing this podcast on monday this will be out in uh, two days so in this particular multiverse azrael has taken over for batman who was broken by bane Mm -hmm. and azrael's gimmick has always been that he's batman but he kills people that's not new and so but it's so crazy now maybe now bane's son is going to be the hero in this and that's interesting. Like, yeah, I, why not? 
Because I like all like the Batman who laughed and all that stuff. We're about to do new uh, CGC stuff uh, for the comic book store. We're about to send some stuff off. And I think I'm doing, you know, first appearance of Batman who laughs. That's Scott Snyder's, who Scott Snyder says is the first appearance of Batman who laughs. Not what CGC says. Have we talked about that? Yes, off the air. Yeah. Or, or off the air. Outside of the podcast. Yeah, and that drives me crazy. So I'm I'm sending I'm also sending uh Lady Thor's first appearance as well. I'm trying to get some money on that. Uh, but I like this dark multiverse stuff. No, I like it too. I just So you're not on you you're a pass on this one when it comes out on Wednesday? I'm kind of a pass on everything with Azrael. It's just that I've never really Not on board. No. I mean mm-hmm. I have Nightfall, but I'll get it. I'll read it. I'll re- I'll get this, especially if it's the first appearance. My whole thing is uh, dark multiverse. Yeah, that's cool. Why are you rehashing a story that's thirty years old? Because it's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Multiverse means you do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Don't go back and get crusty old Nightfall, which is not age well, anyways. I think for this, because you get a cool looking Batman, because he does look pretty neat. I draw Batman like that. It's a multiverse. You can draw him however you want. Yeah, I am curious. Here's a Batman. I'm going to draw the Batman however you like. You can. You can do whatever you want to with him. It's What's the deal? I am also curious to see what this uh, son of Bane will ultimately end up uh, looking like and just where the story goes. Because I don't mind these because since I'm not the aficionado of some of these, and that's maybe that why I liked this new um, the circle back around to House of X, Powers of X. It's a retelling. It's a redo that's actually in a very cool way. No, I get that. Since I don't know much about this character, this might be kind of cool. And it's only one book. They're going to tie it all up all in, in one shot, though it may end up you know, doing a little bit more. I'm okay with this. So I'll pick it up Wednesday. Maybe pick it up any, anyway just so it maybe is worth something. No, nah, it's, it's called, I mean, it's a Batman book. I'm, I'm going to get it. And then you're gonna CGC it, and then you're gonna yeah, get I'll rich. Yeah, I never read it. All but I maybe I pick up two: one to read and one not to read. And side note, I'm now pressing comics. You're not getting rich off of that. Even you can press it at, with your deal at home. You're not getting rich off this book. They're gonna print 12 billion copies. If it's a 10, if it's a nine eight, it's a hundred dollar book. That's how it works. You should immediately sell it because three years from now it'll be a. Twenty-one dollar. Well, that's why I'm doing the uh, the Lady Thor books. I have two of them. I'm gonna get them both done. I'm gonna press them both, send them both, and then when the new movie hits with uh, Love and uh, what Thunder, whatever it's called, the new Thor movie, when that book skyrockets, selling one of them, keeping the other. Or if the prices are so high, I might just sell both. I don't, maybe I don't. That's the idea. We missed out on that. Like when all these like Venom three was so hot, mm-hmm. we just need to unload that book. Yeah, I. That's where I get torn as a collector. So I'm at I'm at about I don't know just under three thousand bucks. I'm somewhere between twenty eight and twenty nine hundred bucks. Getting rid of one or selling one feels weird to me because it's something about having the collection. But if you told me and said that well, I'm doing it for this Lady Thor that I can sell this book for like two hundred dollars, why would I not do that? So I feel like part of me needs I need to start day trading my comics. When, when announcement happens and it gets super hot, like uh, Red Death for Flash. That's my point, yeah. I feel like now I need to start unloading books. Uh, right now, Immortal Hulk is super hot. My Immortal Hulk first appearance in Avengers No Road Home or whatever it is, is a 9-8. That's a couple hundred bucks. So my wife says that, because I'm like this with guitars, amplifiers, and effect pedals. Mm-hmm. My wife says I can have whatever I want, but I don't have room anymore. So you have to sell something to get something? She's like, look, 
you won't said amp. You said you were going to sell that Les Paul in the corner a dozen times. Go ahead and get rid of it. You can get two of those amps. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, great point. Now, I've got this Les Paul. I, I don't like Les Pauls. It's like not my instrument of choice. And I've got a couple of them. I never play it. So why not sell it? It's this dude it, with rusty strings on it and out of tune and unpolished and unkept just sitting in a case. It'd bring $1,500 just blind. Yeah. Because it's the same thing. Then one day I'm going to be like, you know what would be great? Like, just a really bang away on some Jimmy Page Zeppelin style. But you have another Les Paul. Paul. I a couple of them. So you could still do that, right? Yeah, two two that, times over. That's the better of the two. So, so why not? So you have two Les Pauls total. I have three. You have three. Yeah. So do you play any of them? No. Okay. So why not keep the awesome one and sell the other two not awesome ones? I don't know. Why didn't you sell Venom 3 when it was hot, dude? Because I didn't have it CGC'd. I feel like I don't want to sell any book that's not been graded. Because raw, they don't pull as much. But my, that, but I kind of. But now I'm, point. but now I'm starting to do it. Now I'm, I'm the books I'm about to send off are purely from a. Maybe I want to start making some money on these, because I end up spending a couple of grand a year on comic books. And if I sell two or three or four to make that money back, that seems like a pretty good return on investment. That's where I'm at with the guitar stuff right now, too. I want more. Mm -hmm. Like, every couple of months, I'm like, you know what? I can't quite get that sound. But if I had this... You could. I I could. Now, the thing about playing an instrument, much like collecting comics, the story's never over. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll be chasing a particular tone until the day that I die. I just how my mind is wired. It's kind of like... So, Jeff Johns wrote Green Lantern. To To come back to Jeff Johns. And then he ended his Green Lantern run in New 52 at some point. Like, I don't know, let's call it 25 issues in or something. I can't remember the exact book, but it was in the 20s, I think. Well, I'd always said, well, when Jeff Johns didn't write Green Lantern anymore, I'm not getting Green Lantern. I didn't like Green Lantern before Jeff Johns wrote it. And I'm definitely not going to like it after. I followed along. Brightest Day, Blackest Night, like Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Jeff Johns quit writing. The final issue came out. Your boy still pulled every Green Lantern book. Right. They got the whole New 52 run. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. Right until, until they rebooted it. Got them all. Same deal, man. I'm going to be chasing tone forever. I'm going to need this amp. I'm going to need that effect pedal. And you're the same way. I am because I have every issue of the new Batman run. I don't even know what number they're up to now. 80? I have not read one book. Flash. They're the same number run as Batman. I'm up to, I've read 17 out of the 80 issues or 70 plus issues that's come out, but I still get it every week. Once Dark or uh, Detective came out for 1,000, I got a few issues leading up to that. I've been getting it ever since. I haven't read one Detective magazine. That's what I'm saying, dude. And I get them because something's going to be in there. And, and I'm right, because in The Flash, uh, one of the characters, um, uh, well, heck, Godspeed was in one of my flash comics and then this other person that's supposed to be a villain is in one i'm like oh i wonder if i have that sure enough i go look and i have that comic and that's why i end up buying them because i'm like one of these is going to have some value but you know when there's no value when you don't sell it and so that's where i feel like i need to start day trading my comics i need to start selling some of these to show my wife that i'm not a complete idiot because ultimately i does your wife ask you if i'm an idiot no if you're going to sell them Nope, no. She knows, uh, you know, she. I have a budget, and I, you know, use my budget each year. She'll tell people I spend too much money on comics, 
And I'm about to drop uh, however, what's it, like $30, $35 a book for just the grading. And I'm going to do four books this go round. This will put me at over 30 or 40 books graded. So I don't know how much money that would be. Our hobbies, uh, I don't pull near as many books as you do, but our hobbies. The difference is you wait so long, your bill probably looks like you do. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. This is the same amount of money. But my problem is now, like with music, I have such expensive taste Mm -hmm. that like, I'll be like, I found the guitar I want. And my wife was like, how much? $4,300. You know, and it's kind of like. It's more of my first car. Well, it's a used vehicle. That's what I'm saying. I don't own a $4,000 instrument. I'm just saying that. Would you? No like dream scenario in this current life that you have. Even if it's five, ten years down the road, do you own a forty-three hundred dollar guitar? Uh yeah, yeah, that's real. Because two years ago, I saw uh, it's like a triple alt forty-two EC or something, but it was one of. I don't even know what the hell that well, what that was. Well, it was Is that a, a guitar? Is it an yeah, amp? Is yeah, it a pedal? no, no, no. It's a, it's a guitar, and it was Eric Clapton's signature Martin acoustic. Okay, and it was for sale. A guy had it in North Myrtle Beach. Now it's not four thousand dollars, but he was asking like thirty two hundred or something. Still more expensive than my first car. A lot of money. So I'm like, I gotta have it. I gotta have it because it's a bargain. Because at the time they were selling for new for forty five hundred. Now, now the guy knew that he wasn't going to get that in North Myrtle Beach, mm-hmm. you know. And the guitar was in immaculate condition. So I, I go look at it and I want it, but I don't pull the trigger that day. So I talk to my wife about it. She's like. You know, kind of asking me the, you have to have that. You, mm-hmm. That's that's the thing you want. And I'm like, yeah, I want that. That's the thing I want. And I literally, like, a couple weeks later, the guy posted and the price comes down. Oh, he's asking like twenty nine hundred. That's done. He's just asking you to buy it at this point. And I'm like, I gotta have it. This is mine. Not long after that, the listing got pulled down. The dude decided he wasn't selling it anymore. It's like a week after the fact. It's mm-hmm. like, I think I'm going to keep it. And he was an older guy, and I was like, oh, that sucks. Well, like a year later, I walked into the guitar shop locally in town, and I saw that they had the most recent electric guitar that I just bought, and they shouldn't have had it. Like, I still don't know how they got that guitar. Mm-hmm. It was a... Early, Is that Paul Reed Smith? Yeah. It's that Paul Reed Smith from an early run. Like, only the first 500 of these guitars came with the case, mm-hmm. and it's a low serial number. Like, they shouldn't have that. And I bought it, and it was $2,300. All right, so budget now for Martin Guitar, if it ever comes back for sale, is completely gone because I've already spent the money I had allotted for that. Like a month after I bought that guitar, dude listed for $2,400. Puts it back up. He's like, I'm ready to part with it. Even shot me an email. Which would you have rather had, the guitar you have now or that one? Is this I, the is this the mayor? Yeah. Okay. So I can't say whose but, birthday is Wednesday, by the way. Forty forty two? Forty four? I'm gonna i I'm gonna say forty two. Wow, you think forty four? I was gonna say forty I'm gonna say forty three. All right, I'm going stand by. It's the Google segment of the podcast. Go go gadget Google. John Mayer is oh he's he'll he'll be forty two. He'll be 42. He's the same age as I am, because I'm I'm 41 now. I just turned it. Oh, yeah, so I, I thought he was close to me. That is a great guitar that I got. That Paul Reed Smith Silver Sky is a fantastic guitar. It does everything that I want it to do. So I can't say. I never owned that Martin. I played it. Mm-hmm. But then there's also another thing, too, where when you play a guitar that expensive, 
that doesn't belong to you that you haven't bought yet you're delicate e- very much so mm-hmm. i'm like dude i'm strumming a c chord like yeah. you know i'm not like you're, i'm not you're not bending strings and doing anything like if i if that guitar's at home it's leaning up against against the couch and my kid's gonna knock it over two times in the middle of the afternoon you know like he so it's just it's different i bought a couple instruments from people like that too or I didn't really get to play them the way that I would have wanted to. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if I, let's say you were selling a, when you had your uh, Cobra. Yeah. Was a Factory 5? It was the very first Factory 5. The number one Factory 5 kit that uh, that they did for the Shelby Cobra. So, BJ, that car was at 15 years ago? Uh, 10 years ago? When I sold it? Yeah. I sold that car eight years ago. Yeah, so... If you had that car for sale, mm-hmm. and I came over, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm interested. Let's test drive. I hear I have some money. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm not doing a burnout in front of your driveway and then seeing how fast I can get through the gears to see what happens at 110 miles an hour. Right. It's kind of the same thing. I feel you. Yeah, because when I bought that car, the guy drove us first. And then before he let me drive it, he was like, by the way, this thing will kill you. If you're not careful. And I said, okay. He goes, no, this car will kill you if you're not careful. So now it's my turn to test drive it. And he's, we're, we, there we're near some back road. So I'm able to open it up a little bit with his permission. And this is at a, this is at a, a classic car broker, essentially. They have a bunch of these types, you know, $120,000 Mustang, a fastback Mustang sitting in there. And so I, with his grace, you know, with his permission, open up a little bit. So I felt a bit, even then. I, I feel that thing that you're talking about where right. you're like, uh, maybe I'll just you know, do a little bit here. But it's no. a nuanced thing in the back of your mind. Yeah. I, it, I've told you the story about the the one time I've driven a Ferrari. I think so. And I and I've maybe was going 40 miles an hour. Yeah. Now, I got to 40 as fast as humanly possible. Yeah. There's no, I was never going to exceed 40 miles an hour. It's not my car. Yeah. It was a dealership. It's the same scenario. Mm-hmm. So it belonged to a European car dealership uh, back home in North Carolina. I wasn't going to open it up. And it's the same thing. By the way, that Martin guitar is still for sale. Still? Yeah. How how long till that budget kicks in? Oh, my wife said you I got... You talk about doing layaway? Or just a little payment plan? My wife won't let me get anything right now. And it and, and she is doing a great job with the governor. Mm-hmm. And my wife, I can buy whatever I want. So just And my wife can buy whatever she wants. But what I can't do is buy things I don't have space for. Oh, there's room for an extra guitar. I got a lap steel on Saturday. <laughs> uh-huh. I got a lap steel guitar on Saturday. Now, now I'm starting to see where your wife is coming from at I've this point. Never had one before, yeah. and this is the first guitar that will not fit in my current setup. Like it's got a, it's an old tweed case. It's about this tall, and it's a standard guitar yeah. case width. And I have my cases lined up and stacked on two sides of a wall. Uh huh. I have a room. Oh, dude. So it is, my wife doesn't like clutter. Mm-hmm. This is not clutter, BJ. It just happens to be leaned up in the corner against the other cases, and that's a no-go. To is my, this in your music room? Yes. Now, to my, She shouldn't have any sort of say as to what your music room looks and looks like. Here's the deal. Just but saying. Listen, you know why she's saying it? Because I complained about it. Oh, okay. I came home, I was like, ah. Oh, it just hurts to look out there and see those amps lined up across the wall. And then that one case is just sort of sticking out there. I complained about it, and it got me. Yeah. It burnt me. Hey, it's first world problems. These are all good things to have. 
Well, good luck on that budget. Uh, as always, thank you for uh, listening. Uh, rate us. Uh, you know, if you're in, if you listen through Apple Podcasts or iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or uh, any of them that happen to be, we're on all of them. Uh, click rate. I don't even care if you really think we're a five star. I'm asking for a five star uh, just to help us get more people because that's what we want to do. We want to spread the fun of uh, comics and movies and pop culture and music. Uh, so as always, uh, thank you for listening. Until next time.